Well, good morning. When you uh, came in this morning, the, the question you were asked was, what's, what's something you enjoy um, doing with others and, uh, in, in community or just being with others? And, and for me, that's, that's food, sharing a meal uh, together. Uh, actually, for, for me, my wife, Kim, whenever we're planning a vacation or planning to go somewhere, and we like to plan out a little bit of it. Um, but for me, it's always just making sure dinner's planned. Um, if, if dinner's planned, I'm happy. We can do whatever else the whole day. Um, because I enjoy eating, but there's just something I really enjoy sitting down um, across from my wife and just enjoying a meal and, and having that time to just talk and enjoy um, with each other. And, and the same thing with community, just being with friends and, and family and, and having that meal together um, and, and sharing that time. And so uh, for you, whatever that is, that's something to like, enjoy that. Like, like love your time with others and, and, and see that as precious. And that's going to be important um, with our message here today as we talk about a different kind of love as we continue our study here in Galatians chapter 5. So before we jump in, would you uh, pray with me? Lord God, we thank you that you are good and gracious towards us, that, that you loved us first. And so, Lord, to, today, as we dig into your scripture, may your word be heard. May you change our hearts and our minds, changing the way that we think about you and think about others, and changing our heart and the way that we live that out, the way that we love and worship you, and the way that we are with our communities and we love each other. So, God, my, my prayer is that you would change us. Make us a people that love each other. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So if you have your copy of Scripture, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to be in, uh, starting in verse 13. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. It says, For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. So just re-echoing this thing that we've been going through with this whole series here of, you're free. <laughs> You are genuinely free. Christ has set you free. Brothers and sisters, those who follow Christ, you are free. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so the first thing we see here is Paul saying, don't waste this freedom. Like, like we've just said, you are free. Like, like feel that freedom. Experience that freedom from Christ. He set you free. Who, what, what can be taken from you? He set you free from your sin, from everything. But don't waste it for an opportunity of the flesh. What was he meaning there? He's meaning, don't waste it as an opportunity to be selfish for yourself. Because that's, that's always the, the tension with this sermon series as we talk about you're free is, well, how free am I? Can I just do whatever I want? And, and in one sense, like, well, you're free. But if you've truly been changed by Christ, if you truly love him, that change that he's done in you will make your freedom look different. And it won't be an honoring to the flesh, but it'll be a love for others. And so that's the challenge for us this morning is how do we live in that freedom? How do we experience being free in Christ, but doing that in a way that is loving our neighbor and loving others and not self-seeking? So as we look at this word love, it's a different kind of love. I think when we, we throw the word love around a lot, and our culture throws the word love around a lot, and I think generally people would say, if you said, oh, we should love others, most people are going to generally agree with you on that. And so the challenge here is to go, well, what's biblical love? Because I believe the world's view of love is actually the seeking of yourself. It's love yourself more. 
It's do what you want to do and love yourself more. And in that, there will be some love for others, but you do that first by loving yourself and then you love others. And I think the world has gotten that completely backwards and, and we should expect some of that. We should expect scripture to be countercultural. And so we have to be careful when we hear messages of oh, just, just love to be careful with what is it actually saying there. So this is a different kind of love. It's not just a self-love or it's not acceptance labeled as love. Love is something that is much deeper um, in our lives. And so what is real love? Well, the, the Bible gives us a definition of that that um, some of us are probably very familiar with. It says love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It is not boastful or arrogant. It is not rude or self-seeking. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of wrong. And so when we look at that message of love, when we look at biblical love and we see some parallels into the passage that we just read, you know, love is not self-seeking. Don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Don't, don't use this as an opportunity to do more for yourself. See it as an opportunity to serve one another through love being patient and kind with others, not being boastful of ourselves, but putting others above us. And so if we're going to follow what Paul is giving us here, there's, there's one thing that we have to have. How do we serve one another through love? Well, one of the most important things that we see there in that passage is the one another. And so you need some others to show love to one another. Um, so love your neighbor screams community. It screams that we have to be in community circles. We have to be in relationships where we can show this love to others, where we have a place to express it. And it is shown through action. We see that actually in this passage. You know, we see the, the law fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself, but back up in the, the first verse there, it says, but serve one another through love. So what is the action of the emotion of love is serving? And so love that just says and just speaks is maybe the start and part of it, but it's the serving, it's the acting of love that we actually see this lived out in a biblical way. And so as we talk about this idea, this different kind of love, we talk about a love that serves others, not a love that serves self, not a, not a love that does that because it makes me feel good. Um, it will, as we'll see here in a point, um, that this is an effect of that. But ultimately, our goal is to love others and showing that love by serving others. And so instead of seeking ourselves, we, see, we seek after the serving of others. So just to make sure that this command, because this is a pretty high command, Paul makes a statement here. He says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Pretty big claim you're making there, Paul. You're saying all these laws that we've talked about, that he's referenced in Galatians here, that you can go back to the Old Testament. He's like, you know what? You can just simplify it to one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. We, we talked through this in a youth group several weeks ago, and I was like, it's five words to memorize. Love your neighbor as yourself. Memorize those five words, you've memorized the law. Like, you want to wrap it all up, summarize it, make it super easy, there it is. And, and Jesus affirms this. So making sure this isn't just something Paul um, comes up with. Uh, in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus says, I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 
So Jesus creates a, a very high calling there. Love one another just as I have loved you. And so we see this high calling of love in this. And so as we wrestle with that, what is, what is the, this high call of love? What, what's the tension there? Like, hey, that sounds great. Should love others? Got it. You know, super easy. But what happens if we fail at that? What happens if we become a church that fails to truly love and serve others? What happens if we fail to love and serve others in our workplaces, in our families, in our other community groups, in our friendships, in our marriages? What happens if we fail to love and serve one another? Well, Paul gives us the warning in Galatians 5.15. He goes on to say, But if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. And I feel like we can't take that lightly. That he's, he's giving us a contrast here of saying, this is what you should do. Serve one another through love. And if you fail to do that, you will bite and devour one another, and you will be consumed by one another. That's the tension of if we fail to do this, we fall into that. And I think we've encountered that in probably family, workplaces, relationships, where there's tensions and there's, we're consumed by one another, we're angry, there's conflict with one another, and it stems out of this failure to serve and love one another. Uh, James actually speaks to this in James chapter 4, verse 1. He says, What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that rage war within you? And what he's getting at here, and the same thing that Paul's getting at here in Galatians 5, when he says, don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. An opportunity for the flesh. And, and James saying, the war that wages within you because of your own passions. What is that? That's selfishness. It's the opposite of serving and loving others is this selfishness. See, we all don't have an issue loving ourselves. And I know that word, that phrase, maybe could be like, well, some people do. They, they have you know, self-esteem issues, things like that. Like, I get that. But at the root of, of those things is a desire for self-love. It is we all want more self-love. And so what do we do? We consume each other in the craving of our own desires and self-love. And, and we can see this in our life. As we walk through our days, our weeks, and, and I'm preaching to myself here, we, we see those moments of like, wow, like, yeah, that, that was for me. I, I, I ate breakfast, that was, that was for me. Um, you know, I, I did that, that was for me. Yeah, I went to work, yeah, that, was, that was for me. Maybe, maybe to provide for my family, but selfishly in that sense. And, and so you begin to look at your days and your time and, and we begin to find like, wow, we, we are selfish. And that's not saying like, okay, I need to go change everything in my life and just, you know, but it, it needs to be a heart focus of do we realize how much we are inwardly bent and that those passions and desires that we have for ourselves are often, if not always, what cause the conflict around us. And so we have to take seriously Paul's warning here of if you do not do this, you will be consumed by one another. The church in this community, if we do not love and serve one another, we will slowly butt heads and we will become consumed with conflict with each other. And so, that's the tension that we have to deal with today. Love one another and to avoid this consuming of each other. And so how do we do this? How do we truly find ourselves in a place where we can love and serve others? And I think we look to Jesus for that, the one who did this perfectly, 
Um, we, we run to him. So John chapter 15, uh, verse 4 and 5, gives us a little insight into how this might be possible. And Jesus is speaking here uh, in verse 4. He says, Remain in me, and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me, and I in him, produces much fruit, because you can do nothing without me. So Jesus gives us this, this glimpse here, this analogy of a vine and a branch. He's like, hey, you're the branches. Like, you want to do this, this good work, this fruit? You want to love and serve others? The branch can't do it by itself. The branch without the vine is nothing. It dies. And the passage goes on to say it dies. It is cut off and thrown into the fire. It is, it is worthless. It is consumed. And so abide in the vine, who is Christ. And he continues further in the passage. Jesus, in uh, John 15, starting in verse 9, he says, As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. So we abide in Christ. We stay connected to the vine. We show love because we were first loved. And even Jesus here, he's even saying, as the Father has loved me, Jesus being God himself, the Son of God, is actually showing us a perfect example of saying, as the Father has loved me, Jesus speaking as God, as, as God the Father has loved God the Son, he's like, I have loved you in that way, which is incredible to think about, that the love that the Trinity experiences, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, that the love of the Father shown to the love of the Son Jesus then says, I have shown you that love. That's incredible, that we, we are brought into the love of the fold of God. And then he says, remain in my love. And that's, that's the tension of, okay, branch has to remain in the vine. Remain in his love. And so this is, this is how, we, how do we live in this way, is being abiding in Christ. To spend daily time in daily prayer, in reading of his word, knowing who Christ is, reading his scripture. If you, if you want this passage here, John chapter 15, starting all the way in verse one, if you want to write that down, John 15 verse one, and that whole passage in there. It's just been something I've been meditating through for months, and, and there's just so much in there of just like, what does it mean, God, to, to be the branch that abides in the vine? What does that look like in my life, God, to, to abide in you? And just letting that kind of sit of like, okay, what, is, what does that look like in daily practice? And it definitely includes prayer, scripture reading, meditating on God's words. And so it's only in experiencing that love of Christ, that daily reminder, that daily connection to Christ's love, that we will in any way be able to love in the way that God loves us, those around us. And so that is why that is so important. And Jesus reiterates again on that passage. <laughs> he says, this is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No greater love than this to lay down his life um, for his friends. And so we see Jesus once again giving us this call, love one another. And how does he say to love one another? He says, as I have loved you. And he goes on in that passage, which I think this is incredibly challenging, and like, what do we do with this? He says, no one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. 
And Jesus goes on in that passage to say, and I call you friends. And we read this knowing what is to come, going, wow, Jesus is talking to his friends, saying, I love you. And no greater love than this than to die for my friends. And then he does. He lays down his life for his friends. God, who creates everything, the ruler and the king of the universe, who answers to no one, that is glorified perfectly in the Trinity, that that needs nothing else, decides in love and grace, I'm going to create. I'm going to create these people. And then his people turn against him. We run against him. We, We don't show God's love to each other. We don't show God's grace. We don't show God's goodness to each other as human beings. Instead, we default to being consumed by ourself and consuming others in that quest to become our own gods. And we spit in the face of the God who created us saying, ah, don't want to do it your way even though you created everything. I'm going to do it my way and become my own ruler. And then you hear Jesus say, as God looking at his followers and looking at us saying, no greater love than this than to give your life for your friends. I call you my friends. And then he goes to the cross and dies for us, paying the price that we could not pay for ourselves. None of us were able to earn Christ's salvation. None of us were able to get back into right standing with God. We weren't able to do that. But he did that by showing us perfect love, by serving us while he was here, ultimately serving us by dying on the cross and taking the penalty of our sins on that cross. And so when we look to that, when we see that kind of love, what are we supposed to do? How do we respond to that? How do we show this kind of love to the world? Well, look back to John 15, 4 and 5. Remain in me, and I in you. We run to the one that did it. We run to the one that kept all of the commands of Scripture and gave us a new command, love your neighbor as yourself. And he kept it as God as the one who owed us nothing, gave us everything. And we look to him and and we feel that. And and when we are changed by that kind of love, a love that in in one breath makes us realize how small we are and how big God is, also seeing his love coming down for us. When we feel that, and that's why we need to always go back to the gospel. That's why I think every week here at Beloved, you always hear us go back to the gospel And I pray it doesn't become boring of like, oh, we're talking about that again. No, it should be a weekly refreshing and reminder that we always run back to the cross. We have nothing better to offer you except Jesus. He is the one. He is the way, the truth, the life, and he is the only way back to the Father. And so we we scream that and we, we, we give that to you. Would you see that? And when you see that and when you feel that, Your own selfish desires, your own selfish wants become so much smaller because you see a God at work in the universe and the world around us and your own little issues become so small. What is this life but a mist? Here today, gone tomorrow, and one day I will be with him forever. That's the day that gives me hope. That's the day that fills me with joy. That's what motivates me today not the stuff I can buy, not the things I can do, not the good food I can eat. Those are things that we can enjoy, but we enjoy them in seeing beyond the thing and we, and we look at Christ 
We look at the greater joy beyond all of that. So we abide in Christ, the one that chose us and appointed us to go and produce fruit, to go and love the world. So as we look at how do we live this out, there's a couple things that we can look at. As we are fed from the vine, if we look to Christ, then, then what did Christ do? Well, Christ, who was the king of the universe, God of all things, Matthew 20, 28 says he did not come to be served, but to serve. He, he's God. Like, like none of us here have, have truly grasped what it feels like to be a king or a queen. Like, no one questions you. You are, you are beyond reproach. None of us have really felt that. Like, maybe we're, we're managers or we're, we're owners of a company or we have authority in certain circles, but, but none of us really have, feel like we have absolute authority. There's always another boss. There's always something else that holds us. But to be a king, to be a sovereign king that has every resource, and then Jesus, who is God, who is the most sovereign king, the king of kings, no one can stay his hand. No one can tell him what to do. He is the absolute ruler of all things, did not come to be served, but to serve. That blows my mind. <laughs> I don't even know how to comprehend that. That he came to serve us. It's a kingdom that is rebelling against the sovereign king, and the king could send out his armies to just take care of the uprising, but instead the king steps down from his throne and he washes their feet of those that are uprising against him. I don't know what to do with that kind of love. But Jesus showed us how to love through that and how to serve others through that. He came and he served the poor. He came and he served those less fortunate. So if there's areas in your life where you're like, yeah, I think I could, I could, I could do some changes and, and help serve those in greater need than me, then do it. Make a note. <laughs> Write it down. Here's my plan for the next 12 months. How can I better serve the poor? He taught the gospel. The teaching of the gospel is not just for the pastors on the stage. The teaching of the gospel is for all of us in our, in our circles, in our friends, our families, our work circles, our communities, to constantly bring this light to the gospel. And how, and how do we show that? We, we can actually show the gospel in a great way by serving and, and in that serving, have these conversations. Because do not forget in, in the serving, in the showing of love, to speak the truth, the gospel, in that. Both of those go hand in hand. So he taught the gospel to us. He showed us the good news. And so we love others by sharing the good news. Sometimes that's some hard conversations. Sometimes love isn't just acceptance. Love is stepping in, in love, and, and hey, this is going to be awkward and this is going to be hard, but I need to have this conversation with you because it's going to be beneficial for the kingdom. He fed crowds of hungry people. Meet some basic needs of people. Very basic. Feed people if they're hungry. Hold a door for someone if they need a door held or if they don't need to. Just show kindness and goodness to the world around us. Be a people that will show love to those in need. Jesus washed his disciples' feet, which shows us great humility, that he, again, being this sovereign king, God of the universe, 
submitted himself to wash the feet of those that were following him. And so find ways to be humble in your life. Find humility. Find ways to, to serve others in maybe a way that doesn't look good for you, but it's good for others and it lifts them up. And then lastly, he died for us. He died for us. He was willing to give everything for us. And so in our own lives, how much do we put ourselves first versus others? Would we be willing to suffer for another? Would we be willing to suffer for the ones that we love? And so we hear all that, and we're like, oh, that's, that's hard, that's heavy. That's a lot. It's a lot to do. I thought we were free, <laughs> right? Like, weren't we free? And now you just, oh, this one command, just love your neighbor. Well, that actually sounds like a lot. <laughs> and it is. And, but it is a, a serving that comes out of feeling the love of Christ, and it is something that we experience in joy. And we see that at the end of John, when Jesus is talking to us, in John 15, he's talking about all these high things like love your neighbor as yourself. And we're like, this is so hard. Like, how would you have me do this, Jesus? This is so difficult. Abide in him. Spend time with him. And he says this. It's, as you're reading through this, it's almost like he, he, he breaks his train of thought here and then comes back to it. And he breaks it with this sentence. He says, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. What are we seeking? We're seeking our own, we want love, we want comfort, we want security, we want identity. Like we, we want these things, and Jesus says, hey, if you follow this, if you do this, you will find that your joy will be complete. He's like, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you, so that Christ's joy may be in us, and in that you may be complete. And so what we will find is as we spend time meditating, being with Christ, reading his word, praying to him, seeking him, and he fills us with his love, and we act that by loving and serving others, by sharing the gospel, by serving and loving, that he'll refill us again with joy, a joy that you cannot get from anything in the world, a joy that surpasses all things. And when we get a taste of that joy, when we get a taste of that love, wow, like, I haven't experienced that before. Let me run back to the vine. Let me run back to Christ. Jesus, thank you for this day. What, what else do you have for me in your scripture? Fill me up today so that I can go love and serve others today. And then you live that day and, and you, you get a feeling of that joy. And that fuels us to be able to live in a way that seems almost impossible. But all things through Christ are possible. And this is what those passages are getting at. We, we tend to first focus selfishly on ourselves, like, oh, all things through Christ are possible, so I can do this and I can do that. No, no, no. It is saying that he is the one that can enable this to be a reality. He is the one that would keep us and hold us in this. So our bottom line is biblical love is a love that joyfully serves through the Spirit because God first loved us. Biblical love is a love that joyfully serves, so there's action, and it's action and joy, through the Spirit, because we're empowered by God alone, and it's because he first loved us. So I have three kind of defining statements that go along with that there. Is we show the world a different kind of love. 
to John 13, the passage that we read earlier. It says that by this, they will know that you are my disciple. So the love that Christ calls us to is a love that is different in a way that by the showing of this love, this love that speaks truth, this love that serves, they will know that you are my disciple. So are you loving and serving in a way that people would go, that's different love? And biblical love isn't a have to or must do. It is a joyful I will. It is a, is a humble I will. It's not an obligation. Just like when we talk about giving here at Beloved, like we don't want it to be an obligation, a burden. It's a joyful yes. <laughs> Take it. Use it. As we love and serve, it's a joyful yes, I will. I will show this world the light of the gospel. And we can only love others in this way because he first loved us. So do not get caught up in the, okay, I need to leave here and really try to love and serve others better. I need to do my best. No, you've, you've missed it. You're free. You, are in, you cannot meet this law. He, he summarizes the whole law down to five words and we still can't do it on our own. First, abide with Christ. Seek him, read his word, spend time in prayer. And, and in that, be fueled to go and love others, to live this life out in the way that he has called us to. So now let's go back to Galatians chapter five. Back up to verse 13. Read through this one more time and then we'll close out. For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only do not use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. Beloved, let's not become the people that consume one another. Let's become the people who love and serve one another. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you Lord, that you are so good and gracious to us, that you first loved us, that you showed us what it means to love. And God, I thank you for that. So God, may we become a people that will love and serve others because we have felt and we have experienced your love for us in a way that has changed us. It has changed our minds in the way that we think about the world. It has changed our hearts in the way that we see things. So God, we can walk out the rest of this day and tomorrow into this week changed because we see the world differently. We see the world through your lens, through your love. And so God, we can show this world a love through serving others, through speaking truth. Lord, a love that is different than what this world expects. And it, Lord, it may ruffle some feathers. It may not always be easygoing. It wasn't for you. You suffered and you died for us. So God, may we be willing to experience some suffering for your name's sake. God, make us bold. Make us a people that love you more and more each day. Give us hours every day in your word and in prayer to you. Let us see you as the highest priority to abide in the vine. God, make us people that would love and serve those around us as an outpouring of the work that you are doing inside of us. 
we love you and give you all the glory. May you be glorified in everything that we do. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.